0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we read in the verses, we're looking at the topic of giving. We're taking a look at this topic of financial giving and support of the ministry. And really to give you a little bit of a background, we need to actually go back to chapter number 8. Chapter number 8 and chapter number 9 both address this topic of giving. And he had, in chapter number 8, talked about the churches of Macedonia and talked about their giving and how much that they gave and supported the ministry that was there. Of course, at first, we know that Philippi was the only one that gave and supported Paul in the ministry. But later on, we see that all the churches of Macedonia, the church in Berea, the church in Thessalonica, the church also in Philippi, they were giving as well, and they were supporting the ministry. And it's not because they had an abundance of wealth. Paul describes their situation as deep poverty. They were not a wealthy church. They were not a wealthy people. They were, if you will, poor people. And yet they gave. They supported the ministry. And they richly supported Paul as he continued to preach the gospel. And he used that to encourage the brethren. And in, ver- in chapter number eight, he tells them, "Hey, you know what? You were giving as well, and I praise the Lord for that." We read some of the verses that were here in chapter number nine. That hey, I know your forwardness of mind—that you were you you wanted to give, you had a mind to give, and you did give. And and your zeal has provoked very many others. Heard about your giving. And uh, they were encouraged by it, and they were stirred in order to give as well. And, and uh, there's an interesting description that is here in verse number 3. He says, you know what? I sent a few people ahead to talk with you. The people who are delivering this letter, they, they brought that to the people before Paul got there. And he said, here's the reason why. I've been talking about you as a church, and you've been giving, but I want to make sure that you're ready, because I'm going to bring some people from Macedonia. I'm going to bring some people from other places They've heard so much about this giving church, so I want you to be ready so that you're not embarrassed, really, when we get there. And so he goes through this little description and, and talks about his motive and his reason. And uh, we, we get to this part where it talks about giving and giving financially and supporting in the ministry. Paul is encouraging the Corinthian believers to give. Our theme for the year and our theme for this sermon series is grow up into him. And for every uh, Christian, no growth is complete without growing in giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse number 9 gives the reason why we give. The motive for giving, the example for giving. Verse number 9, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. We serve a giving God today. The God of the Bible is a giving God. He's a sacrificing God. He's a loving God for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son. God loves you. God loves every one of you. God loved you so much that He didn't want you to die and go to hell. So He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, born of a virgin. He lived. He died on that cross. He was buried. And three days later, He rose again. So that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his gift, we can be made rich. Amen? Because of what he did, because of what he gave to us, we can be rich. We can be saved. We can know that heaven is our home. And giving is important because we serve a giving God. Jesus is the example, is he not? Right? Jesus laid down some footsteps for us that we should follow in them, in the example that he gave, and that he is the model for Christian living. He is Christ, amen? So he is the model for that, and the very beginning is God gave. And so we as Christians, if we're going to grow in the Lord, we too must give. He was rich, and he became poor. He gave so that we could be rich. And God wants giving to reflect that fact. God wants our giving to reflect the fact that God was giving to us. That God gave grace to us. That God was loving to us. Our giving ought to match that. The story is told of a beggar that was by the roadside one day. And and for whatever reason, Alexander the Great was passing by on this road. He had gone by this road and the man was poor Wretched, just on the side of the road, but he was begging, and he, and he begged the emperor for some money. And the emperor graciously threw out a couple of gold coins. The people around were a little bit astonished. One of the men w- went up to him and, astonished at his generosity, commented, Sir, just a few simple copper coins would have adequately met that beggar's need. Hey, you're the emperor. You have all of the wealth. You you don't need to give everything. You could have just given a little bit. And Alexander responded in royal fashion. Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. You see, he was focused on, hey, I'm the emperor. I am Alexander the Great, and my giving ought to match that. And we as Christians ought to grow in our giving, matching the grace, if you will, growing in grace as we give. So I want to take a look this morning at three principles principles regarding giving. First of all, I see the growth through giving. The growth. Verse number 1, we read the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 1. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. Of course, we're talking about giving. So when Paul is saying, as touching the ministering, Ministering means serving as touching or regarding the serving of the saints. It is superfluous for me to write to you. I don't need to write to you about this because you already know. And what he's saying is your giving has been a service to the saints. It has been a help to the churches, to the Christians, to those that were there that Paul was ministering to, to helping And uh, all of these different kinds of things. And when you give to God through your local church, I want you to know that you are contributing to something important. When you give to God, you give to something valuable and important. We're in the middle of a political campaign, you know, kind of season. And I'm seeing more and more and more ads by these politicians. Give to my campaign. Even last night I saw an ad from somebody who was running in the the Nevada, you know, primaries or caucus or whatever it was. And uh, we won, Nevada, but the oppositions will be greater. Contribute to my campaign. You know kind of what he's saying? Is He's saying, you know, my campaign, you know, we got a great campaign. And if you would give to my campaign, you would be great too. And if you and me and all of us in this great campaign together, we could be great and give, so you could be great, I could be great, we could be great, and all these different kinds of things. And, And they want to talk about a great campaign. They want to talk about some great ideas, but there's no greater idea than salvation through the gospel. There's no greater important thing than seeing that somebody to be saved, to grow in the Lord so that they could reach others as well. When you give to your church i want you to know that you give to something important you are giving to something that really is the most important every year in january we give a report pastor collects all of the information the financial giving and uh the 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 outgoing of the income and expenses we get to see every year how much our church gave and this last year in 2019 Our church gave over $167,000 to missionaries, to missions projects around the world. We support missionaries all around the world. We support missionaries in Belize, in Honduras. We support missionaries in El Salvador and Mexico. We have missionaries in China, South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, the Philippines, Laos, Thailand, India. We have missionaries in England. We have a missionary in Spain. We have a missionary in Ethiopia. We have a missionary in Ghana. We have missionaries here in America. They're planting churches here. We support missionaries all around the world. And you know what our missionaries are doing? They're planting churches. They're giving out the gospel. They're sharing with people the love of Jesus Christ so that they could be saved, so that they could be born into the family of God. And when you give to our church, you're giving to something important. You're contributing towards the church's generous giving also challenges Christians. And when you give, when you participate in giving, you challenge other Christians to do the same. Verse number two says this, For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. You know, it is part of God's plan in service that our service would encourage others to do the same. It is God's plan that we in the ministry, those of us that are part of Bible Baptist Church, you're a member here, you're serving here, you're involved here, that part of that plan involves helping others to grow and to do the same. And we see examples of that all the time. Uh, Maybe uh, in in this church and in other churches, you'll see an example of, you know what, somebody got saved, maybe somebody that you thought was saved, and then somebody else said, you know what, I thought they were saved, but they weren't saved, and they went forward, you know what, I wasn't saved either, and I I need to get saved as well. When I was uh, a kid growing up in my home church up in the Seattle area, you know, we— all of us pretty much grew up in church together. We were little kids, and, you know, we we had grown up together. We went to Sunday school together. We went to camps together, all these different kinds of things. And, and uh, you know, uh, me and my friends, you know, we, we we played together. We had fun together. We went to services together. And, and uh, I remember there were times when, you know, one of my best friends, he, he was there at the front of the service at the end, and a pastor was talking with him and saying, yeah, hey, you know, And, you know, what did you do today? And you said, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I was like, whoa, he got saved? I thought he was saved. And soon after, another individual said, you know what? That person, I thought they were saved. You know what? Honestly, I'm not saved. And that really worked in my heart. You know what? I need to be saved as well. The same happens, happens with baptism. Sometimes you see one person to get baptized. So, you know what? I need to follow in obedience of the command of God to participate in this ordinance to be baptized so I could join in the membership of this church, and somebody gets baptized, and then somebody else says, well, he got baptized. Well, I haven't been baptized. I need to be baptized as well. And you see some examples of those that saw somebody else to do something and said, you know what, I want to do that as well, and that includes giving. Now, we don't tell you how much each person gave, and, and we don't know how much, you know, you don't know how much other people give, but it's important to know that other people are giving And it's important for you and I to give to hopefully stir up some individuals to give. You know, last year we did give $167,000 to missions. I hope that maybe there's somebody here who would say, you know what, I've never given to missions before. But wow, I see that so many people in my church, they're giving to missions. They're marking on that, you know what, I want to give to missions. I want to support some of these missionaries, and I want to support uh, this man that's in China. I want to support this man that's in England. I want to support this missionary that's, that's over here or over there. I want to support them as well, and maybe that would stir you up as well to be able to give towards this very important mission that we have. Thirdly, what I see is that generous giving combats covetousness. When we're considering the growth through giving, the growth that we can have in giving, generous giving combats covetousness. Verse number 5 says this that the same might be ready as a manner of bounty and not as of covetousness. So Paul is making it very clear that personally that he's not asking for the giving because he is covetous because he is greedy. And that's the temptation for anybody, right? Anybody who says, well, you're asking me for money, Are you, aren't you being a little greedy here? Aren't you being a little covetous here? And Paul is saying, no, there is no intention of mine in covetousness. I am asking you out of bounty, out of blessing, out of being a help to the ministering of the saints and in, in, in these different areas. And Paul himself, we know from God's account that he was not being covetous. Amen. Amen? He's not being covetous. It's very clear the life that Paul lived, he lived a life where he was not living in in excess. He was always giving. He was always sacrificing. He was always doing without. In fact, when he was in Corinth, you know what he was doing when he came and he planted that church? You know what he was doing? He was working. The Bible says that his trade was a tent maker. And he found some other tent makers. And they made tents together. And so he worked there in the city of Corinth. So the people knew, hey, this man, he's willing to work. He's willing to do what is necessary for the supporting of himself in the ministry that is there. And and Paul was making it very clear, I'm not asking you because I'm greedy, because I just want to have just the, the newest Apple iPhone or whatever. Is that I'm okay with what I have. I'm okay with where I, ha- where I am. Last week we looked at contentedness. Paul was a contented man. But generous giving is also important for us as individuals because my giving combats my covetousness. Giving opposes greed. That's important. Because we live in, in a time, a society... And in a place where greed easily crops up. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the greed of millionaires and billionaires, but did you know the common middle class person can be greedy as well? Did you know every one of us can be greedy no matter how much or how little we have? You know, you look at those that are ultra wealthy and you would think, don't you have enough money? Yeah, they got enough money, don't they? Amen? Bill Gates got enough money. Jeff Bezos got enough money. The children of San walton they all got plenty of money. And yet all of them want to grow in their wealth, don't they? They want more. But you know, every single one of us, we can be tempted to have that greed as well. And you know what combats greed? Giving. To give up that very thing that you are tempted to covet after to say, you know what, I'm going to give it up as a spiritual exercise, so that I won't be consumed by this greed. I will put God first. I will give him what he desires. I will give him how much that he moves in my heart in order to combat that, because it's easy for us to get on social media and see what all our friends are able to do. Oh, hey, I knew this guy in college. Whoa, look at how he's living. Wow, he has that kind of a house? Wow, he got to go on this kind of a vacation? Wow, they got this kind of jewelry. Whoa, look at the clothes that he is wearing. Oh, it's easy to look at everybody else. It's easy to go on YouTube and see people who are living it up, showing off their lifestyle. Jesus, say, you know what? I wish I could do that. I want to do that. I want to have that. I want to go there. I want all of these things. But you know what will help us in that? If we just give to God. Say, God, I'm tempted in this area. God, I'm being tempted. My flesh says you should have more. You can have more. Go get more. But you know what? I know that there's something more important than money. I know that there's something more important than the accumulation of wealth. I know that a man's life consisteth not in the things which he possesseth. I know these things, and so I want to combat them, so I want to give. God, I want to give you my tithe. I want to give you that first 10% so that you know, God, that you're the most important. You are the most important because you are God. And you died on the cross for our sins, and so I want to combat that. In fact, I want to go above and beyond that. I want to give towards missions as well. Here are some men and women that have committed their lives, and they're depending upon people like me in order to support them in the ministry. You know what? I want to support them as well. Maybe you hear a needy cause and say, you know what? I just want to give out of thankfulness, whatever the case might be. Generous giving combats covetousness. Fourthly, what we see is that generous giving commits to Christ. Verse number six says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You now God's using a very simple agriculture principle, which is this. You sow one seed, how much fruit can you expect? Maybe you get 30-fold. Maybe you get 60-fold. Maybe you get a hundredfold. But you know what? If instead of a hundred, you wanted two hundred, you got to plant another seed, amen? Right? You got to give another one. Hey, you want a thousand? You got to plant ten. And you got to keep planting and sowing. And not every plant will bring back that which maybe you're hoping or expecting for. But the principle that God is trying to give is this. Do you trust me that when you give to me, I'll give back to you? Right? Giving is really, if you want to boil it down, it's a matter of trust. Do you trust God? Now, we, we use the word faith all the time, right? Even lost people use the word faith all the time. I have no idea what they mean, but they say, oh, people of faith. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not really sure. But I know that God tells us to have faith in God, to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get saved, amen? Amen. You could say, by grace, through faith. So you need to have that. And when it comes to giving, it's a matter of faith. Do you trust God? I want you, if you have your Bibles open, to turn back to chapter number 8. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Turn back to chapter number 8. As I mentioned, chapter 8 and 9 are both dealing with giving. But I want you to see what God is trying to help these Corinthian believers to understand, maybe on a more deep level. Verse number 14, but by inequality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want. He said, I want you to give generously to supply the need of some saints, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. What he's saying is the churches at that time have been helping each other. The church at Jerusalem, of course, was the first church. And they grew out, and the people went out, and they, they started churches and saw people to be saved. But there was a time when the church, church in Jerusalem, the church in Judea, they needed help, and so the saints gathered in order to help them. But verse number 15 gives a very important principle. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. Now, this is referencing... Old Testament. This is referencing the children of Israel. You remember the story. They were in the land of Egypt. They were under oppression. They were in bondage. And God sent a man to deliver them. God was going to, through this man Moses, deliver his people Israel out of the land of Egypt. And he did so miraculously. You remember the ten plagues? Remember the flies and the frogs? remember the darkness? Remember the hail? You remember all of these things? The ten plagues that God used in order to break down Egypt and Pharaoh to deliver his people. And he miraculously brought out these people who had nothing out of this mighty nation that was Egypt. And so they have escaped, and then now they have crossed the Red Sea, and and now they're, they're in the wilderness. They're in the land of nothing. Nobody is there, nobody lives there because nothing lives there. They're in the desert. They're in the wilderness. And so people naturally are thinking, well, how are we going to eat? Right? That's the first concern of people. Right? Every morning. What are we going to eat? Right? You come home. What are we going to eat? Right? That's the first concern. That's the first concern of these people. What are we going to eat? And God said, I will provide miraculously for you. I'm going to give you manna. Manna will fall from heaven. And every morning you will collect it. And you will cook it. And you will eat it and it will supply the need that you have there. Now, can you imagine? You've never seen manna before. You don't know what manna is. You don't know how it tastes. You don't know how much you need. So imagine that first day, God says, all right, you need to collect up some food. All right, how much, how much? Well, my son, he eats a lot, so I need to get a little bit extra for that guy. And uh, this person, well, they're very small. They're young. They don't need so much. I think this is enough. Well, another family, similar family, thinks, well, I don't know. Maybe I need a little more. Maybe I need a little less. I don't really know how much we're supposed to gather up and collect. And it's not exactly clear. There's a a measurement that that God told them to collect. But you know, you you get a bowl and you, you scoop it up, you might have a little bit over, right? Or you scoop it up and there's, there's a little valley that's there. You know what God said? God said about those people, you know what? It didn't matter if it was over a little bit. It didn't matter if it was under a little bit. God provided enough for them. Every one of them walked away satisfied. Every single one of them had everything that they needed. Giving is a matter of trust that God will supply what you need. I read the Story about a, a brother in West Texas is a long time ago, and uh, John R. Rice was in the area, and there was a man there that wanted to talk to him and uh, give his testimony. So he said, "Sure, great, you can give your testimony." And uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, Brother uh, Kekendall. He was there, had been for many years. And uh, he was a, a, a kind of a traveling missionary, if you will, going to these small towns that didn't have a church and preaching and, and doing things like that, you know, giving the gospel and, and preaching the gospel and helping these churches. And, and uh, he asked if he could give his testimony regarding tithing. And he said as he, as he was in this uh, work of the ministry, there was a, a businessman who had started a business. His name was H.Z. Duke, and he started the Duke and Ayers Nickel Store. And a fairly wealthy man. And he talked to this, uh, to this Christian brother who was in the ministry. And he was talking to him and asking him some things. And, and he took him aside and he asked him, Brother Kikendall, do you believe in tithing? He said, I certainly do. I believe in tithing and I preach it myself. And Brother Duke asked the question, but Brother Kikendall, do you practice tithing? Brother Kikendall answered this. Sadly, I had to answer, "No, I do not. I believe in tithing, but I cannot practice it. You see, I have 13 children at home. Every meal, 15 of us sit down at the table, and I only receive $125 a month. This is a long time ago, but still, I have to maintain my own transportation." I can't make it on $125 a month to feed 15 and to do the ministry on traveling around to these other towns. And he said, Mr. Duke was a very kind man. He said, Brother Keekendall, would you like to tithe? And then he said this, would you tithe if I would back you up financially so you could be sure you would not lose by it? He said, nothing would please me more. So he made the following proposition. I want you to give to God at least $12.50 every month as soon as you get your salary. Then as you feel led, you may give more. And I promise you that if you have any need of help, I will give it. Simply write me a letter and say, Brother Duke, I am giving the tithe, but I'm missing the money. I need it for my family. I have given this year however much that he had given so far. And I promise you that I will send you a check by mail. Are you willing to try tithing on that basis? And he hesitated for a moment, but he said, um, yeah, I'll do that. So he began to do that. He accepted that offer. And so he began to tithe. He said for the first time in his entire life, he began to tithe. Every month, 10% of his salary at the beginning of the month. As he felt led, he even gave more. In the back of his mind, he always thought, you know what, if ever I come short, I just write a letter to Brother Duke, he'll send me a check mail, and cover all of my needs. But then he said this, but a strange thing happened. It seemed our money went farther than before. I would preach in some country's community, and somebody would tie a crate of chickens on the back of my buggy. All right, don't do that to me, but okay, right? (laughs) Tie a crate, somebody tied a crate of chickens on the back of my buggy. Somebody would put a ham under the seat. Okay, don't do that either, (laughs) Right. But people would give. They would give fruit in his, in his little uh, buggy that he would use. He, he said a, for, a neighbor, a farmer, said, Brother Keegan, though, God has blessed me so much that I cannot get all my corn in the crib this year. I have a big wagon loaded extra that I cannot keep. May I give that to you? He said another neighbor drove over with gray hay wagon full of hay for the cow. It was very strange. But that year we had no doctor bills. The children's clothes seemed not to wear out so badly. And I love what he says next. It was a happy, happy time. I never did have to call a Mr. Duke to make up the money I had given to the Lord in tithes. Then one day when the year was about gone and the test was about over, I suddenly realized with shame that I had believed what Mr. Duke said. He promised to make good anything I lacked because of tithing, and I believed him. But my Heavenly Father had made the same promise, and I had not believed him. I had token the word of a man when I did not make the promise of God. Now I had proven God's promises and found that he took care of me and my big family on a small salary. I found that $112.50 per month took care of my family better with God's blessing than $125 did without being under the blessed covenant which he had made with those that who seek first the kingdom of God and who tithe. He says, now I have tithe for many years. My salary has been increased year after year. We have always had enough. We have never been shamed. The greatest spiritual blessing of my life, aside from salvation, has been learning to trust God about daily needs for my home and a big family. What a wonderful testimony! What a great uh, a, a man who was able to say, "You know what? This is how God has helped me." And maybe you've never committed to giving to God that tithe, that first percent, that first fruits maybe this could be a challenge to you and a help to you because giving is an act of faith. You want your faith to grow? Then give. Secondly, what we see is the gladness in giving. The gladness in giving. Verse number 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves glad. Givers, And this is a very important principle that we see right at the very beginning, that giving is a personal decision. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. Every man, as he makes his own decisions in his heart. Giving is a personal decision. Giving is a decision that you make. You're not going to see me coming up to you and pressuring you and giving the tithe, you giving the tithe, how much are you giving, right? I don't know who gives, how much they give. I don't know those numbers. I don't see those numbers, but because partly giving is a personal decision. That's between you and the Lord. That's a decision that you make you and God, that you will trust God for your financial need. And when you make it your decision, then you can be glad on it because if you're giving because I'm pressuring you about giving you're not going to be glad to give right right tax season is right right here right april 15th is the end of tax season right has anybody ever been glad giving taxes anybody anybody happy oh i love giving taxes to the government but you know every year the government's going to come after you if you don't give your taxes Right? They're coming. hey, you owe taxes. You need to give this much. You need to file your taxes, and you need to do this. You need to pay your due. You need to do all of these things. And nobody gives their taxes gladly, but you do know you give to God gladly? It's a possibility. You can do it if you make that decision on your own. And God wants you to give gladly. God loves a cheerful giver. The attitude with which you give is important. Just as important as the gift itself. How you give and how much you give both matter. Every service we have an offering. After I preach, we have some announcements, we have an offering. It's your opportunity to give. Amen? That's not a sad time of the service. Amen? It's not a time of sorrow, oh no, the offering plate is here, I have to put something in it. It can be a glad time of rejoicing. Hey, I got to give to God, I want to give to God. I'm giving by faith. I want to, to do what God has told me to do. It can be a glad time of rejoicing. Because there's a purposeful direction in giving. Verse number 7, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God Loveth a cheerful giver. When you put your offering, your tithe, your missions in the offering plate, you are giving to the church, but really you're giving to God through your local church. This is what you do for God. You want to please God. That's what giving is about. Amen? It's about pleasing God. Is God pleased with your giving? You see in verse number 13, that we can be purposeful in glorifying the Savior. Verse 13, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God. Because the Corinthian church gave, and those that received that which they needed because others had sacrificed and given to the ministry, they glorified God. Giving is a way that we can glorify God. We can also be purposeful in genuine subjection. Verse 13, was by the experiment or the test of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. They were subjected or submissive to the gospel of Christ. Now, this was a church, amen? They were saved already, right? To be a part of the church, you need to be saved already. So these were people that were already saved. They had already believed the gospel. They had already trusted Christ as their Savior. So what does it mean that they will profess subjection unto the gospel of Christ? You hear this term sometimes. People use this term, gospel-centered living, gospel-centered living. You know, I don't know what it means for everybody, but I know this. When, when Paul used this word of being subjected or submissive to the gospel of Christ, what it meant was to obey the commands of God. That's what it means to have gospel-centered living, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, as free and not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Now, praise the Lord, when we get saved, we are made free. But that freedom does not mean, well, I get to do whatever I want. It is freedom to serve God and perhaps this is the most important purpose for us when we give, is to give from gratitude for salvation. Verse 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We give because God first gave to us. We give because without God's gift, we have no hope. Amen? Amen? There is no future for us. There is only condemnation for us. But because God gave to us, we can have hope. We can have life. We can have an eternity in heaven. We give because he first gave to us. There is no greater motivation for living for God than the fact that he died on the cross for my sins. I'm grateful to God that he saved me, so I want to give back to him. That's just a natural thing to do for people who have received to give Back. For with a man with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Christian, we don't need another reason to give other than God gave us an unspeakable gift. God gave to us his Son, Jesus Christ. God gave to us salvation. We serve, hopefully, because we are thankful to God. Hopefully, we give because we are thankful to God. Lastly, what we see is the grace from giving. We've talked about the giving, about the generosity, about the growth that happens from giving. We've talked about living by faith, we've talked about the motive. But now we're going to talk about what you get from giving. You get grace when you give. Verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, I just said that chapter 8 and chapter 9 are all about giving. The whole chapter, those two whole chapters all about giving. Chapter 8 talks about giving, the Macedonian church gave, now you're giving, now I'm challenging you to continue to give, I've given you some instruction, now God will, will provide for your needs, it's giving, 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 giving. In the middle of the, that, that passage, in the middle of these two chapters, is this verse about grace. Now, this is a great verse in and of itself, amen? And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, amen? I love that. He, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Amen. That's great. That's wonderful. But it's in the context of giving. Right? Last week we looked at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's a great verse. Amen. Amen. That's a great verse. I can do all things. I can do anything that God has called me to do through Christ. Christ, the context of that is contentedness. When I become content, I can lean on Christ for all things. All right, that's the context. So here in this chapter, when we look at the grace that we can have, God is giving grace to those that give. There is grace that is given to those that give. And that's a wonderful truth because grace is exclusively author. You only get grace from one place, and it's God. Secondly, we see that grace is endlessly able. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. You see the word there, all? Always having all sufficiency in all things. You know what God is trying to say? No matter what it is, grace will make it work for you. No matter what you need, grace is what you need. No matter the problem, grace can help you in that problem. Lastly, what we see that is grace is exceedingly adaptable, may abound to every good work. No matter the ministry that you're in, God's grace can help you in that area. I'm sure that if I were to ask every one of you, if you wanted to grow this year spiritually, I'm sure every one of you would say, yes, I want to grow this year. But could I encourage you to grow in this one specific area of giving? Many of you give already. You give the tithe, and on top of the tithe, you give to missions. And on top of the missions, sometimes you give to other things. And that's wonderful. But maybe there's somebody here who's you've never tithed before. Maybe you could be like Brother Keekendall and just test God for yourself. Commit to God the tithe. Gladly give it. God, you have promised to me I will give out of faith. I will give you the tithe. I will give you 10%. That's an important thing. Maybe you've never done that before. I did that growing up. I learned at a young age. When I was a kid, I gave the tithe. I would get birthday money. I would get $10. And it would get split to individual dollar bills, and I would give $1 to God in my local church. And then, you know, as I got older, I would get $100. I would say, oh, no, i got to give $10 now, but you know what, the tithe. And I learned to give the tithe. I learned to give it. So it became more natural for me. It became easier for me. But maybe you've never given the tithe. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe you've never given to missions before. But you've heard about, oh, we have missionaries in China. We have missionaries in Ethiopia. We have missionaries in Spain. Hey, they need our support. You know what? I want to commit to missions. Maybe you want to give $10 a month. Maybe you want to give $50 a month. Maybe you want to give $1 a month. You want to give something. Let me encourage you to give to God, to grow in that area, trusting God.